up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. On today's podcast, we're continuing our serial, Time Slingers Season 1, the online time travel adventure series, which we turned into a novel, and now we've turned into an audiobook. Last week, we published Episode 5, and this week, we're diving into Episode 6. Don't miss my writer's commentary on our Patreon account, where I break down our thoughts on time travel and storytelling. If you become a supporter of the Story Geeks podcast on Patreon at the $3 a month tier, you unlock the writer's commentary every week and you unlock the full audiobook when it's completed, which means you don't have to sit through these intros and outros I'm recording. All $3 a month supporters and above will receive the uninterrupted audiobook and my writer's commentary for no additional cost. Physical and digital copies of Time Slinger Season 1 are available on Amazon if you prefer not to listen to me read it to you. And if you don't want to become a patron, you can purchase the full audiobook as soon as it's finished. Links to all of those things are in the show notes, or you can head on over to patreon.com slash thestorygeeks or reclamationsociety.org slash timeslingers for more info. Time Slinger Season 1 is produced by the Reclamation Society. In our last episode, Marcus Klein set two explosives on Apollo 13, and it launched into space. But Union Subdivision Time Slingers were left confused when it didn't explode on arrival. Meanwhile, back on New London on Earth's moon, more things are afoot with Operation Yamato. All right, let's jump back in. Here's episode six of Time Slingers. Episode 6, June 16th, 2147, Union Subdivision, Training Room. Hector slammed his fists into the punching bag. Bloodshot eyes rimmed with gray. He looked like a man who needed rest and peace of mind. Jack entered the room and watched. You need sleep. I need answers. How about some competition? Jack grabbed a pair of sparring gloves from the rack. Tossing Hector the protective headgear, he donned his own and stepped into the ring. What kind of answers? asked Jack. Strapping his gloves down, Hector hopped around the ring. What are they up to? Why are we so helpless? Why don't you have your guard up? Hector darted in, throwing two jabs. Jack ducked back and away. A little less conversation, huh? Three more heavy blows came in. Jack deflected each and watched for Hector's next move. He came in hard again, but wild. Jack dodged, waiting for the barrage to stop, and then pounced. Two quick jabs landed on Hector's torso. Five minutes later, both men were dripping with sweat and sucking air. Hector grew more aggressive and haphazard with each attack. Those were pretty heavy, bro, said Jack, backing off. Maybe we should... Too much for you, asked Hector. He charged, throwing two cheap shots before a sweeping roundhouse kick. Jack trapped the kick under his arm and pushed Hector to the mat. As Hector fell, Jack landed a swift kick to his ribs. Hector grabbed his side. Jack tore off his gloves and tossed his headgear aside. That's it. I'm done. You're all over the place. I've never beaten you before. Not once. But now you're out of control. You're sloppy. What's the deal? Forget it. Just leave me alone. Is this about that bounty hunter? My sister wouldn't work for them. They killed our parents. I need to get to her before it's too late. Taylor doesn't understand. She's the key to all this. Hector. He stormed out of the room. Jack's eyes narrowed. February 1st, 2019. Cafe Pushkin, Moscow, Russia. Venison juice dripped down the Russian's goatee. His dark brown hair was plastered back against his skull. 
He lifted a set of prolific eyebrows and poked his fork at Klein. You Americans always want something bigger and better. I'm not American. That drew a loud guffaw. <laughs> You're as American as apple pie. And you assume that Rushtum can help you, eh? Rushtum Egorov, a gluttonous arms dealer and a liar. Klein had historical documents to prove both. I have a high degree of confidence. What you're asking for is very unique, high-dollar item. Name the price. Again, you assume I have it. Klein leaned across the table. Name the price. I don't know how you got my name, but if you think the CIA is going to get their hands on a device like that, then you have been mistaken, comrade. Klein burst out laughing. He placed both elbows on the table. I'm no more CIA than you are supermodel, said Klein. He glanced at the bodyguards located on either side of the table. I am, however, interested in purchasing two spider nukes. You have them, so name your price, comrade. Rushdom bristled. Bridled rage swirled through his pupils but he calmly picked his teeth and then tapped his ring on the wine glass. It was obviously a sign that he was done talking. Klein had pushed too hard. The bodyguards beside the table both took a step toward Klein. Rushdom leaned forward and growled, I don't have any nukes, spider or otherwise. Tell the CIA to double-check their facts. Klein pushed his chair back, slung his jacket over his forearm, and headed for the exit. The doorman bowed as Klein left the restaurant. Chill night air burned through Klein's chest and cut his lungs. He pulled a beanie over his head. Two men on the other side of the street sauntered toward him. Klein reached for his pistol. It was missing. The two men drew guns. Klein knelt and grabbed the silencer strapped to his ankle. Before Rushdom's men could fire, Klein pulled the trigger. The Russians crumpled to the street as Klein jogged to a nearby alleyway while engaging his communicator. The Russians aren't selling. I had to use lethal force. I'm moving to plan B. June 18th, 2147, Tactical Research Room, Union Subdivision. Jessica rubbed her temples. Her research wasn't getting anywhere. Hey, said Sam. He rubbed her shoulders. Late night, huh? I can't find anything on Hector's sister. It's like she doesn't exist. You will, babe. Just wish I had a DNA sample. The door behind them opened. Sam's hands quickly abandoned her shoulders as he stepped off to the side. Greg Sims, one of the station operatives and research specialists, entered. He paused awkwardly. I, uh, sent you the info you asked for. Didn't get much. It started to self-erase when we tried to decrypt it. Jessica offered her thanks. When Greg left, Sam gave her a guilty look, which made her smile. She playfully punched him in the shoulder before checking the message from Greg on her data pad. Exodus Project. Data extracted. Measures in place for full... Exodus Project, Jessica whispered. She performed a quick search. Only one finding appeared, and it was misspelled. Exodus Project. Jessica frowned. This video is 28 years old. She adjusted the monitor for Sam. An international news network clip began to play. A middle-aged journalist in a sharp suit smirked at the viewers. 
He leaned over the news desk as a headline ran across the top of the screen. Salvation or pork barrel spending? Welcome back, folks, he said. Here on the Seamus O'Reilly Show, we like to be relevant and timely. That's why today we're talking about building a spaceship. No, don't turn the channel. I'm serious. And this is not just another barge or shuttle to take us back and forth from the moon. We're talking about a spaceship that we can use to colonize another planet. And guess what? We're going to use your taxes to do it. What do you think, Oliver? Is this a good idea? Oliver, a young man with a short beard, sat beside Seamus. Uh, look, this is yet another ludicrous move by our genius government. They're just rumors, though, right? I mean, we're not really doing this, are we? Some union leaders seem to think so, said Oliver. Instead of talking about the water shortages in Eastern Europe or the impending ice age or the possibility of the Riker virus spreading across North America, we're talking about building a portable planet. So we're going to go abandon Earth instead of fixing Earth's problems. Who is this guy, Dr. Jacob Widmer? Is he even a real doctor? Oliver chuckles. I don't know, but he's the one who's behind all this. Here's a quote from him. Our world can only house so many people. We need to colonize another planet. The Exodus Project will take us there. It's that simple. He said that. He did. He even released a 3D model. Let's show that to the people. A 3D wireframe model, without much detail, appeared on the screen and began to rotate. One thing was obvious. It was gigantic. This is it. This is going to take us to Pluto or wherever, said Seamus. How much would this thing cost? Well, we weren't able to find much, and Dr. Widmer refused our interview, so I'm not sure. But it looks like it's easily in the trillions. Trillions? Did you say trillions? Seamus' eyebrows rose. And who's paying for this? Taxpayers? Now, Oliver, you're a real doctor, right? I am, yes, Oliver smiles. What do you think about this idea? Do we need to colonize another planet? Not at all. There are too many other good ideas out there. Like what? Regenerative recycling, population control, Oliver said. We can improve in a lot of areas before we abandon our home world. The camera focused on Seamus' face. You're too rational, Dr. Ramirez. Way too rational. You'll never get elected to office. When are we going to start building this thing? Nobody knows. It's flying pretty low under the radar. Someone doesn't want us to know about it, but estimates are that it would take as long as 30 years to complete this thing. Seamus shook his head. 30 years? My grandkids will be paying taxes on this thing. The clip ended. A black screen stared back at Jessica and Sam. Jessica stood. The colonel needs to see this. Thanks for listening to episode six of Time Slinger season one. We'll be back next week with episode seven, so make sure you're subscribed. Stay tuned. After this outro, I'll play a clip from my exclusive behind-the-scenes commentary where I talk a little bit more about this episode. If you want access to the full commentary on each episode, support us on Patreon at the $3 a month tier, which is, by the way, the tier that most people support us at anyways. 
and you get access to the full-length clip. That's over at patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. Your support enables us to do even more serials just like this, so please consider supporting us. We have Death of a Bounty Hunter coming out soon, too, and we'd love to do more of these, so please consider supporting us because you support um, our ability to put these things out in the world, and that's really, really cool and allows us to be really creative, so we appreciate you. If you want to binge listen to Time Slinger Season 1, if you don't want to hear me read these intros and outros, you can order the entire audiobook when it's complete. Or if you prefer to read it yourself, you can get a print or digital copy on Amazon.com. Links to all of those items are in the show notes, or you can find more info at patreon.com slash thestorygeeks or reclamationsociety.org slash timeslingers. Episode 6 was written and read by me, Jay Shear. Nathan Sheck illustrated this book and served as a story consultant. Timeslingers Season 1, including Episode 6, was produced by the Reclamation Society. Here's a clip from my exclusive audio commentary, and I'll catch you next week for Episode 7. So we should, we go back to uh, 2019 and Russia, which is really fascinating, obviously, because, well, before we even go there, we actually start with Jack and Hector. And the fun thing about starting with Jack and Hector is that we see that Jack is increasingly worried about his sister and increasingly worried about what's happening with her. And this is very much of an internal struggle for Hector because here it is, his sister was actually trying to hunt them down and obviously is not working for the good guys. Uh, but at the same time, it's his sister. Or he think, he believes it's his sister. So what are you going to do with that? And then Jack is sitting here being like, you don't even know that it's your sister. Like, what is what is your deal? And so there's this, this dichotomy where, you know, just like if it were you or me, a lot of times we would go, hey, like, what kind of family loyalty, loyalty should we have? Um, and this is just ratcheting that up. And is it even your family? Like, if you didn't see your brother for, you know, 20 years, would you even know what your brother looked like? Or would you assume that someone who looked like your brother could be your brother when that actually is not true? There's a lot of conflict in Hector right now, which means that there's a lot of conflict with he and Jack. Um, then we go to, then we go to Russia. So Russia was fun to write. Uh,